As President Barack Obama travels the country talking about the need for health care reform, hardly a week goes by when you don't hear the Commander-in-Chief talk about Intermountain health care and its low costs when compared to the rest of the country. So what does Mr. Obama find so special about this large health care system? Welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the health care reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Nancy Nowak. Nancy Nowak is Vice President of Clinical Operations and Chief Nursing Officer for Intermountain Healthcare and is responsible for myriad tasks including nursing services, quality, patient safety, clinical programs, case management, imaging, respiratory therapy, pharmacy, and laboratory services. She works closely with administration and chief nursing officers across the system, the chief medical officer, Intermountain Medical Group, and Intermountain Select Health in implementing the full vision of system-wide collaborative care. And that is no small job. Intermountain, which is based in Salt Lake City, is one of the nation's largest hospital operators, operating 21 hospitals, 150 clinics, and even has a health insurance plan that covers a half million people. She joins us today from her offices in St. George, Utah, where she's at Intermountain's Dixie Regional Medical Center. Nancy Nowak, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you. Appreciate you having me today. And having a chance to talk about Intermountain Healthcare. Well, it's very interesting because uh, I was actually a witness at the American Medical Association meeting in Chicago, and I- I've been a healthcare reporter for about 20 years, and I know Intermountain, but President Obama keeps mentioning Intermountain. Uh, tell us why he does this, and what is it about Intermountain that he finds so interesting? Well, obviously, we're thrilled by that. We're not completely surprised. A lot of our staff members, as you know, have been to Congress and have talked a little bit about healthcare issues and some of the work that we've done. You know, Intermountain has a unique way of providing health care. We're very, very focused on quality, very focused on best practice, very focused on standardization of care, and that really has allowed us to provide some really wonderful health care at a much lower cost than you see across the nation. And I think we have found some very good ways to make sure that quality stays high and cost stays ma- stay manageable. I'd like to tell you I think we're perfect. I kind of call it a journey. Every day we do work around quality measures and innovation around quality, and we work very hard to make sure that those quality initiatives also ask the question about cost and make sure that we're providing best care at the most affordable cost to the, to the folks that we provide care for across the state. Well, could you give our our listeners uh, some examples of perhaps how you do this? I mean, I think that that unfortunately, is the sticking point of the day on the whole cost and quality. And I think that's a big challenge of your peers out there in the country is how on earth are you able to keep costs low and provide quality? There's a number of factors and there's a number of things that we have done over probably the last decade to really build that these processes into our culture. So the first thing is the partnerships that we have. Clinicians, physicians, administration, all of us work together around clinical care processes to make sure that we are very focused on not only just understanding and evaluating best practices, trying them out across the system, but really once we find out what works, we use them across the 21 hospitals and the 150 clinics. So it isn't just one place at one time, very much a partnership 
between physicians and nurses and administrators really looking at what is the very best thing that we can do for our patients. So that's one thing I think is very important. The second thing is we're very integrated, and so we have an opportunity to try those best practices in our medical group with our employed physicians as well as with our healthcare plan, Select Health, and to really do some innovation with them around managing care at the same time that we manage cost. I think another thing that has been very important to the processes that we use as well is this desire to be innovative, to really look at new ways to look at healthcare and to look at our outcomes. We can do this because of our IT systems. I, I do want to say how important information is. And we have had a legacy of having a really good electronic medical record. We have a partnership now with GE where we're building on that legacy of our medical record. And we have a lot of wonderful data that lets us look at what's been going on with our patients, how can we improve care, and then we can look at better data over time to see that we've done that. And I, having worked in other places across the country, that ability to have that really wonderful data and to really be focused on looking at data and understanding what's going on in your system to improve care has really been, I think, one of the things that has made it, if not easier, has made it at least doable for us as we take a look at how to change healthcare practices across our system. Now, tell me a little bit about the physicians. We have a lot of physician listeners. Do you employ most of your physicians? And and a lot of times, like with Cleveland Clinic and Mayo, when folks say, well, you know, they're able to, and the president generated a little controversy here when he was saying that when, you know, more or less when physicians are employed, they don't have the incentive to order up tests and so forth. I mean, do you find that? I mean, is it easier to do things with physicians employed or do you guys also have non-employed physicians? We do. Most of our physicians are not in our employed medical group. But we use what we call clinical programs, which are these partnerships I mentioned. So a clinical program, and we have about eight of them. And these clinical programs are focused on particular specialty areas. So we have one in oncology. We have one in cardiovascular services, one in intensive medicine, critical care, uh, one in pediatrics. We have several of these clinical programs. And physicians come to the table with nurses, with administrators, with pharmacists, respiratory therapists, whoever we need, and they actually are engaged in working out what the best practice is. So a team will come together, for example, in women's and newborns, and they'll say, you know, we're looking in our data, and it looks to us like we are inducing women to go into labor way too early in their pregnancy. And our data shows us when we do this, the women labors longer. When we do this, these little babes may be too small and they spend some time in our ICU. When should we say we induce women? When is the normal time to induce women? And so we come up with that as a group of clinicians together. Some of these are clinicians that are affiliated docs. They're not part of the medical group, but they're part of our medical community. And that goal is set for the whole system. And everybody is working on that goal together. And these teams meet every month and talk about where are we with the data, how do we look, gee, your inductions are up, what's going on in your hospital, what's going on with your physicians. We can give physicians individual data to say, gee, look at the differences that you have compared to somebody else, and it really is an opportunity for the actual people taking care of the patients at the grassroots level, at the bedside, to understand how they want to improve care. 
Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson. I'm your host. And joining me today is Nancy Nowak. She's the Vice President of Clinical Operations and Chief Nursing Officer for Intermountain Healthcare. Now, if that is an hospital operating name that you've heard, you might have heard it come out of the president's mouth himself. President Obama has mentioned some of the practices at Intermountain Healthcare, and we're talking about those today. And you know, one thing that's come up is Dartmouth data. Dartmouth Atlas data talks about how Intermountain is 40%, correct me if I'm wrong, lower for national costs if healthcare was provided the same way it is at Intermountain. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think those numbers would be staggering to people, especially patients who see their, their bills and are thinking, what, what on earth is wrong with my hospital? One thing, a uh, comment on that, just to clarify, too, some people often say when they hear that data, well, we're a very young state, and, you know, is that, are we really comparing apples to apples? So that data, was it's only Medicare patients, so it pulls out our youth, okay? So it is a, compare, a fair comparison on how we treat Medicare patients. And, again, it goes back to managing through best practices, making decisions based on what is out there on the national literature, how we would define best practice in our system, and coming up with a way to manage those patients in a standardized way, looking at how we utilize particular tests, particular maybe lab tests or or imaging needs based on what we believe is best for that patient, managing it, and then looking at the data afterwards and assuring ourselves that we're focused not just on the quality outcome, but also did we get that same outcome by providing the care in an affordable, reasonable cost. So it goes back to what I mentioned earlier is those processes and those clinical programs where we really, really focus on best practice and management of the cost of care within the context of the best practice. And how often would you say that you update these things? I mean, it seems to me if if I'm a casual listener or a physician and, and I want to adopt something like this in my practice or with my hospital, everybody has to come to agreement on something, would you say, and then they have to continually measure it? Is it that simple? Yes. And how we do that is our board of trustees, the Intermountain Board, actually every year gets a set of clinical goals from these clinical programs that we are focused on for the year. And we bring those forward to the board, and then those are our focuses for the year. But also each of those clinical programs continuously monitors the goals that they may have had in the past. So the example I used earlier when I talked about managing when you induce a woman in labor, our goal was that we would do, that we would induce normal deliveries 39 weeks was our measure for induction of a woman in labor. That was a goal a couple years ago. We've done increasing, we've done amazingly well. That may not go to our board any longer, but we continue to monitor that over the years. So it isn't as if we just look at something for one year. It's a long-term practice. I'll give you an example. We deliver about 30,000 babies across our state in a year. That's a lot of babies. In 2001, 27% of the women that went into labor were induced before 39 weeks. Okay, They went into labor before 39 weeks, the number that we chosen. By 2009, we had it down to 3%. What we learned is we had lower complication rates for the mothers and the babies. I said earlier, babies spent much less time in the ICU, shorter labor times by about 1.5 hours. So just having had babies myself and you're in labor, the shorter you can make that, the better. Annual savings, about $500,000. Is that per 
birth? Annual savings for the whole, across the whole system every year when we are able to induce all these women at 39 weeks. And do you think that developing, if I were a doctor or a hospital administrator and I flew out to Intermountain and I observed you for a while, I mean, are these practices that hospitals can do, can anybody out there achieve some of these goals as well? Absolutely. And we have people come visit all the time, kind of sit through some of our clinical program meetings, kind of understand the processes, meet with physicians, meet with nurses, even meet with administration. It is a culture change. It's not a one-time fix. You know, you asked earlier about what does the process take? It's a journey and you're in it for a period of time and you begin to build your culture around quality and best practice. You need a way to have data. So you've got to make some of those commitments early on that you're going to spend the time to build the partnerships and the time to build the information systems. But once you have them, you can do some pretty amazing things and you really do improve care into the community. And, And ultimately, that's our goal. We're good stewards of our community. And we serve communities across the state, and some are large metropolitan areas like Salt Lake, and we have hospitals in very small towns, and we use these clinical processes in a hospital that's 300 beds and in a hospital that's 25 beds. And I noticed on some of the information you passed along to me that you've used clinical computer systems for about 40 years And that is something that now people are just getting a hold of, which the rest of the country is way behind the curve. Exactly. And that having that data, being able to go back and say, gee, you know, we want to improve care in this given area. You can't do that without understanding even what your baseline is. You've got to go back and say, does this make sense? Does this baseline make sense? Do we all agree this is our starting point? So having that legacy, having the years and years of being able to collect that data has been an amazingly important addition to us to be able to do this. So the connectivity, which I guess is ironic word, or the, the connectivity to the data is key in people even believing that you have an issue that you want to improve. And so that probably has gone a long way to convince some doubters, too, if you start showing them some data. No question. And the real desire, I'm a nurse, obviously, as the chief nursing officer, I don't know a colleague of mine that decided to do this just because, gee, I want to go, I need something to do. We're all in it to make a difference. And when you get these teams together and you watch how they grabble over these issues and look at the data and say, we've got a problem here that we can fix. We should do better for the community. That's mostly why people are in healthcare. They want to make a difference. And I think that's what the, the pulling these teams together enables people to do to really find some key clinical processes to work on together that ultimately makes a difference for the people in our state. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Nancy Nowak, who's been our guest. She's the Vice President of Clinical Operations and Chief Nursing Officer for Intermountain Healthcare, which is based in Salt Lake City, Utah, one of the nation's largest hospital systems that's been mentioned numerous times as, as we debate the healthcare changes that are coming in this country. And I'd like to thank her for being with us. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. <laughs>